So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor His disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to Him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for Me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on Him that God the Father has set His seal. Then they said to Him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. This is the word of God for the people of God. There is much in religion about things that are transcendent and eternal. So much of what we say about the nature of God, we realize, forces us beyond the limits of language, forces us into that realm of the infinite. Sometimes it can be difficult to see where our temporal lives connect with this transcendent or eternal experience or God. It is challenging to comprehend the transcendent or the infinite as we live in finite time and space. But our lectionary has us reading from the Gospel of John for the next four weeks. And all of these passages that we'll be reading will help us think about life and life eternal and how these things can intersect or come together. That will be our sermon series for these next four weeks. As we look at our passage today, the first thing that struck me was that it points out that people, that human beings, are seekers. Humans are those who will seek any number of things, will go to great extent to search and find something they're yearning for. Now this happens in America, but not only in America. We can see that this happens around the globe and throughout history and across all different cultures. That any time a human community gathers, part of them are leading in the search for meaning and purpose. And they develop religious rituals to help them make sense of the eternal and the transcendent intersecting with our temporal lives. Our guests today are serious spiritual seekers just like we are, looking for eternal truths. As we read this story, we find that John starts by telling us the links people are going to as they seek to connect with Jesus. They're trying to find Jesus, but they can't find Him. They don't know where He goes. 
Now, the passage we read today doesn't tell us why, but if we read earlier in chapter 6, John explains what has happened. Jesus has been traveling around from town to village to city around the Sea of Galilee. He's been healing some people. John tells us the more he travels, the more he teaches and heals, the more people who begin to follow him. Earlier in chapter 6, he tells us that at this point, Jesus is outside of Tiberias, which is on the southwest corner of the Sea of Galilee, if you will. And he leaves Tiberias and hikes up the side of a mountain. And crowds of people follow him. In fact, John says the crowd he estimates is about 5,000 people have followed Jesus out onto the mountainside. After they've been there all day and He's been teaching them, Jesus looks at His disciples and says, we need to feed these people. And the disciples say, there's no way we have enough money to buy enough bread to feed this crowd. But then one disciple says, there is a boy here who has brought with him five barley loaves and two fish that he's willing to share. Jesus says, bring them to me. And after He gets them, He gives thanks to God for them and then says to the disciples, distribute these among the people. John says, by the time everyone has eaten their fill, the disciples gather up what's left and there's 12 baskets of leftovers. It's a miracle of magnitude that really gets the attention of the crowd. They become kind of ecstatic and excited about what is happening. And they begin to talk about making Jesus their King. Jesus wants no part of that. And slips away from the crowd by Himself. The next morning, the crowd who has slept out presumably on the mountainsides and the meadows wake up and look around and realize that Jesus and His disciples are gone. They hike back down the mountain to the seashore. Word is that they have gone to Capernaum across the sea. There are some boats there from Tiberias. John says they get on the boats. They go several miles across the sea to Capernaum to see if they can find Jesus. They do. They find Him. That's where our text begins today. That's where we began to read We are observing these folks going to great lengths as they seek Jesus. They come wanting to know Him better, to draw closer to Him, to learn more about His teaching and His healing and the spiritual connection of which He speaks. But when they get there, I don't think they get exactly what they were expecting Because rather than healing someone or doing a miracle or feeding them again, Jesus confronts them. And He says, you are not here because you're seeking spiritual things or you're not here because you see the signs of God. You have come because yesterday you got to eat all you wanted. Verse 27, He goes on to say to them, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. 
This is a theme we find again and again coming up in the Gospel of John where Jesus is saying to those who would follow Him or listen to His words, do not seek physical or material things, but seek that which lasts, which is the spiritual. Jesus suggests we spend too much time and energy seeking physical fulfillment to the detriment of our own spiritual seeking. To the detriment of our own lives. Jesus suggests that so often we are out of balance and so focused on the physical that we miss the gifts and the blessings of focusing more on the spiritual life. We can all think about that in our own lives. We know that we all have to figure out how much time to spend on physical things, security and safety and feeding ourselves, sustaining ourselves, and how in the midst of that we find time to also seek the spiritual life, to seek God, to make time and room for God to be a part of our lives. Dr. Karen Armstrong is a professor of religious history at Oxford. She's written a number of books. One of those is called 12 Steps to a Compassionate Life. There's a whole group of us reading that this summer, meeting on Wednesday nights for a book study. Early in those pages, she tries to explain this struggle between the physical and the spiritual. She gives a variety of explanations, some of which she looks to neuroscience and evolutionary biologists and talks about what happens with the development of the brain over time. She reminds us that there's a part of our brain that's more like the brain of a reptile that's focused on physical survival, just eating, avoiding those who might kill us or harm us, reproducing the species. But she points out also that as mammals developed and the human brain developed and was so much bigger that babies began to be born who could not fend for themselves. The human babies needed great tenderness and care and love and attention. And that began to develop within humanity those characteristics and the capacity for greater love and care and compassion for others. In addition to that, the larger brain gives us the opportunity to step back from life and observe, to think about what we're doing, to reflect on meaning and purpose. And that gives rise to spiritual life. As she talks about this, she talks about the differences that neuroscientists have observed in terms of left and right brain and how that kind of plays out in this struggle we're talking about this morning. I want to read you just a few sentences of what Dr. Armstrong writes. She says, While the left brain reasons, explains, and analyzes, and is concerned with words, distinctions, precision, and cause and effect, the right brain emotes, weeps, responds to symbolism, and is the home of art, music, and the softer, more pliable emotions. It seems, therefore, she writes, that the more aggressive instincts exist alongside 
other brain systems that make empathy possible. And that we are hardwired for compassion as well as for cruelty. Now both of those are within us. And the one that grows the strongest is the one that we nurture the most. And what Jesus is pointing out in the passage today is that we often struggle to nurture our spiritual side. The side about meaning and purpose, care and compassion, love and mercy. Now, all the major religions of the world encourage spiritual seekers to develop spiritual disciplines or spiritual muscles that increase our capacity for care and love and compassion for one another. Jesus is saying it clearly to those who are following in this story today. Again, in verse 27, He says to them, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. And then those who are listening say, well, how do we do that? Or what works do we perform? Jesus answers them in verse 29. He says, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. Jesus is suggesting the very notion of beginning to believe in the possibility of the eternal is the right first step. The believing turns us in the right direction. The believing moves us toward God in and of itself. But that as we make that move and begin to believe that there could be a God, that this God could care and could be at work in the world, that as we make that move, it opens us up to the greater possibilities of what human life is all about and as we open our minds and hearts to those experiences we begin to recognize the opportunity for what john calls abundant life but also life eternal but soon as jesus says that to those who are listening they go right back and ask for a physical sign. Okay, well just show us. Give us a sign. Give us some bread like Moses did in the wilderness. And then maybe we can believe. Jesus resists at this point to give them that physical bread. Hear what He says again in verse 32. He says, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Once again, He's turning their attention away from the physical and inviting them to look at the spiritual. To open themselves to the depth of possibilities of what God might be doing in their lives through the spiritual realm. Whenever Christians celebrate Holy Communion, as we will do here today, we point out that we believe this is an outward and physical action signifying to us an inward and spiritual grace that the spiritual can speak through the physical. That as we use these common everyday elements of bread and juice, that in fact as we recall what Jesus taught, 
they can become significant to us not only on a physical level, but on a spiritual level. As we read through the liturgy and the bulletin in a few moments, you will hear how we're recalling that Jesus instituted this meal on the last night that He was with His disciples. And He reminds them that this bread that He takes and gives thanks for and breaks and offers to them is a sign of a new covenant representing His broken body given for the world. And later when He takes the cup, He reminds them again this is a new covenant. His blood is a symbol of His life given for the world. Representing, He says, remember this. Remember any time you eat and drink. What this represents, it's a connection between you and God. You are being offered this unmerited, unconditional love, this self-giving love from the divine Creator that Sarah prayed to earlier is making an offer to you of this grace and love, this forgiveness and mercy that can be yours. But we perceive this as more than just a memory Oh, we remember and believe it happened in time and space, but it's more than that. You heard Jesus change the tense of the verbs at the very end of the reading this morning. As those who were listening said, well, Moses gave. He said, oh, no, not gave. My Father, God, gives. Gives this bread of life to you now. Jesus is revealing to them that God not only worked in the past, worked with other groups of people, but that God is still at work in the world and that God is present now, He's saying. And we believe that to be true even today, that God is with us. And as we participate as Christians in Holy Communion, that we can experience the very presence of God. In Holy Communion, we can experience the very presence of God here with us in this moment. That as we open mind and heart to God's love, we can experience God's presence surrounding us and invading us and permeating all of our experience. As we open our hearts and minds We realize that Jesus has revealed to us this opening to experience abundant life on this side of death and eternal life on the other side of death. We believe that God is with us. That we are not alone. That God did not create the world and then remove Thyself. But God is still with us at work in our very midst day in and day out. We believe that God wants all the children of the world to know that there is this divine love that is ready to provide for them and to have them experience these greater depths of the human experience in terms of our spiritual life. Let us on this International Friendship Sunday, let us each recommit to our faith and to sharing the love and goodwill that we have come to know from God with others. What a great day, any day that that happens, when we are ready to share the love of God that we have come to know 
with one of our fellow journeyers in the world. Amen. And thanks be to God.